are listening to There Are Lots of Things, show number 18. I'm your co-host, Maddie. And I'm your co-host, April. And we are going to take you on yet another journey with us. So what should we talk about today? Well, there are lots of things, but today I think we should talk about Michters. Michters. I love that idea. Well, why don't we start with our trivia question? Okay. This is a trivia question that no one outside of Louisville will have any idea what we're talking about, but I (laughs) still really like it. How many years did it take Michters to renovate their Fort Nelson location? Um, is the answer a shit ton? Yep, it is. A dick year? (laughs) Yep. A light year? Yep. Felt like it. All of those are true. Seven years. Almost seven years. Yep. And when I started at the Science Center, they were reinforcing that building with steel beams all the way into the ground. Yeah, it wasn't, I guess, a well-maintained building, considering a lot of uh, structural issues happened. Mm-hmm. But it is a very old building. It is so. a very old building. It's on Main Street in downtown Louisville. It was leaning out into the road. Mm-hmm. A little um, alarming. <laughs> but yeah. A staircase did collapse. It did. That did happen, too. Yeah. The guy in the tour, and we can get to this in a little bit, but... He said something about, like, the stars on the outside of the building aren't just decorations, but they're there to reinforce the building. And I looked at those stars, and I have no idea how. (laughs) (laughs) That's really funny. I forgot about that, but you're right. Yeah. Yeah, So, What the hell does that mean? I have no idea. Hmm. Um, All right. Well, April, what are we doing right now talking about Michter's? Oh, I was going to say we're sitting in our studio. Thank you for specifying. (laughs) Um, we are going to talk about, um, Michter's because a couple of episodes ago, we talked about bourbon in our Bourbon 101 episode, mm-hmm. and we said on that episode that we were going to try all of the bourbon on the bourbon tour, or bourbon trail. Mm-hmm. What is it called? The Kentucky Bourbon Trail is 17 distilleries across Kentucky. The Kentucky Distillers Association created this program. So you can get a Kentucky Bourbon Trail passport. Which we forgot to do. Whoopsie daisies. Maybe we can do that. You I can. Do. You can take it back and either show pictures that you were at the tour or your receipt. Or your podcast. Or I guess, yeah, your podcast. Okay. Anyway, you get your passport stamped at each location, and then at the end, you get a gift. Do you know what the gift is? I think it's a t-shirt. <sighs> yeah. I don't think it's anything, like, super fancy. Well, we can we can look it up, but I'm pretty sure I looked it up before and it was just a t-shirt. All right. But hey, we'll wear that t-shirt everywhere. <laughs> One t-shirt for both of us. Well, I would hope that we would get our own passports. I suppose. Wait, yes, you said one t-shirt for each of us. No, I said for both of us. Oh. <laughs> no. <laughs> all right. All right, anyway. So um so the point was try all the can go to all the distilleries on the Bourbon Trail. And I, Maddie, who knows nothing about bourbon, would learn about bourbon. And then we would talk about the experience and the distilleries. Um, So we decided to make our first stop the Michter's Fort Nelson Distillery in downtown Louisville. Which I had not been to before. Well, it opened pretty recently. Opened (laughs) last year. I think so, yeah. Last year or earlier this year, maybe even. Possibly. I was working at the art museum when it opened. So. No, but I think it opened in February. Okay, then, yeah. So, 
It was supposed to open in 2013. They had the issues with the building, though, so it did take a a little bit longer for them to open. Well, so what is Michter's? Who is Michter's? Michter's has a long and little confusing history. A little confusing history. So Michter's, what we know now as Michter's, was founded in 1753 by a Swiss Mennonite farmer. Mm-hmm. In Schaeferstown, Pennsylvania, his name was John Schink. So originally it was called Schink Whiskey. And from the beginning, they made a rye whiskey. Which that it'll, that will be something interesting, I guess, on the tours, that they are Michter's Whiskey. Mm-hmm. I think they only have one or two actual bourbons. The well, rest are whiskeys, and we can talk about that too yeah. a little later. But I was a little like, oh, we're on the bourbon trail. Right. I thought it was going to be a little bit more bourbon forward. Well, you know, refer to our Bourbon 101 episode for what, or just the internet, you could do that too, (laughs) for what constitutes an actual bourbon, because there are some rules. And I think part of his, what he said was that it was that they used, once used barrels. Yeah, they they use the exact same formula that they do for their bourbon. They just put it in barrels that have already been used. It was kind of funny that he said that, And we might be going, you know, in and out of the timeline here, but because so much of what they said was Uh like, cost be damned. Yes. (laughs) And then they were like, but we used barrels. But barrels, those are fucking expensive. expensive. (laughs) It's like, okay. So we're a little selective about where we save our money. I thought thought the exact same thing. Yeah. All right. Well, so continuing on the history. Mm -hmm. Lore says that General George Washington... The George Washington. The George Washington, our founding father. He bought whiskey for his men at Valley Forge, uh, the Shink whiskey. He bought that because Pigeon Pigeon Forge? No, Valley Forge. (laughs) Um, Because Valley Forge and uh, Philadelphia were pretty damn close. Yeah, so they called this whiskey. Or Schaefertown. Oh, yeah. Schaeferstown. Right, so Schaeferstown. Not Philadelphia. Yeah. They call it the whiskey that warmed the American Revolution. Good for them. Yeah. It's convenient. So Shanks was purchased in the mid-1800s by a Pennsylvania Dutchman named Abraham Bomberger, and it became Bombergers. That sounds a little bit more like a hamburger place than a whiskey. Bomberger's hamburgers? Go get yourself some Bombergers. Oh, I see. B-O-M-B. Yeah. I gotcha. Then the unfortunate thing in our, uh, the little blip in our history, the Prohibition, happened. Womp womp. Bomb burgers closed during the Prohibition, but they did reopen after, which was not the case for a lot of different bourbon distilleries, whiskey distilleries, Mm -hmm. beer distilleries, all that fun jazz. Um, But the ownership was uh, shuffled around for a few decades, so... They didn't really have a good footing. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't until the 1950s, and the owner at that time was Lou Foreman, and he combined the names of his children, Michael and Peter, to get the name Michters, except it is not Michters. It rhymes with Dicters. <laughs> I think uh, Michael got the better end of that. His name is more in it, I feel like. Mick, yeah. Four letters. Yeah, Peter just gets the tail end of that. Yep. Sorry, Peter. Um, the distillery closed. And let us say this is all in 
Philadelphia or Pennsylvania. This is mm-hmm. not in Kentucky. So all of their history is in Pennsylvania. Right. Um, but the distillery closed in 1989 during the lull in the whiskey industry. And then in the 1990s, the brand was uh, re- revigorated by Joseph J. Magliocco. Magliocco. Is that how you would say that? I think that's probably right, Magliocco. Okay. I don't know. And his uh, mentor, Richard Newman, they filed for the trademark and decided to restart the distillery in Kentucky. Cost be damned, they said. And the world laughed at them and said, ha, 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 we'll give you a <laughs> shitty building. <laughs> <laughs> you want to spend money? All right. <laughs> We'll show you, Cosby damned. <laughs> so, so now, fast forward. <laughs> the fast forwarding sound? Yeah. That's, okay. uh, in our sound uh, box. Mm, okay. It's not. It's my voice. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, so, fast forward to today. Michter's has three locations in Kentucky. They have the Fort Nelson Distillery, which is the... Um, building that we visited. They have a bigger operation in Shively, which is um, kind of the western part of Louisville. And then they have farmland in Springfield. That's pretty new. So the Fort Nelson location is located at 801 West Main Street in the heart of downtown Louisville. And it's across the street from the Slugger Museum and Bat Factory down the block from the Fraser which, as we know, has been designated the Kentucky Bourbon Trail Welcome Center and served as, serves as the official starting point of the Kentucky Bourbon Trail. Um. So, yeah, Mictors has three locations, but I think you can only tour this one location. Oh, really? From what I can tell. I assume you can't tour the farmland. Probably not. But from what I can tell, you can only tour this area. I don't know if they have plans to open up the Shively location for touring, but... There you go. Um, speaking of touring, there are three different types of tours that you can take of Michter's, and we did the cheapest one, which is the Discovery Tour. It is one hour. It costs $20, and we'll talk a little bit about that. Um, and they really just kind of explain their process, some of the um, unique things that they do that other distilleries don't do. And then you get to taste five of their different whiskeys. And then there is a small cocktail experience at the end, mm-hmm. um, which I guess I read over that when I was booking the tour because I didn't see that and thought it was a really nice surprise at yeah. the end. There's the Founders Tour, which is an hour and a half, $50. Offers the same stuff that you got in the other tour. It's only offered once a week, though. But it gives you an opportunity to delve a little bit deeper into the distilling process. And then you also have the chance, which I thought this was really funny wording, to nose sample some of the um, head cuts, heart cuts, and tail cuts. So that's the different cuts that come off the still during the process, during the tour. You get to taste seven different whiskeys. And then you get to try, I guess, their legacy brands, the Bomb Burgers and the Shinks. And then you also get a commemorative gift at the end, which I don't know what that is. It didn't say. Hmm. Hopefully not a t-shirt. They're too classy for (laughs) t-shirts. 
And then the last tour is the Legacy Tour. It's two hours. It only is offered once a month. It is $100 a person. Gracious. Yeah. You get a little bit more in-depth education on the distillery experience, and it's led by one of the senior members of Michter's. Hmm. And they, you get to, this is kind of cool, you get to participate in the filling of a barrel, and you learn more about Michter's approach to filtration, which I don't think I need to learn more about that. They went pretty in detail about that on the $20 tour. Oh, and you also get a special commemorative gift on this? You do, yeah. So the tour, when you look at the cost across the board for Kentucky Bourbon Trail tours, this is not the cheapest, even the the one-hour tour. So $20, I think most of them are, there are some that get up there, but most of them are like 10 to 15. Yeah, and if you're not drinking on the tour, like if you're either underage or you're just the DD, mm-hmm. most of the time you don't have to pay anything or it's like $5. Yeah, so, so children 11 to 20 are $10 on the Michter's tour. And then children 10 and under are free, which is like, cool, I can't legally enjoy this for another decade at least. Yeah. I would think that at least 16 and up could pay, but any 10, 11, yeah. or whatever you said, 11, mm-hmm. 12, 13, they would be bored out of their mind. Yeah, veterans pay $10, active military are free, but then seniors pay $18, which is not a very big discount for seniors, <laughs> which is fine, but like two bucks. Just to kind of give you a little bit of an idea of the space is when you first walk in is like the visitor center area, the check-in area, and their gift shop. What did you think of the gift shop, by the way? I thought it was okay. They didn't have the stir- cocktail stirry straws that I wanted to buy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I. It's not, it wasn't different than any other bourbon gift shop that I've been into. With the exception of, like, maybe Maker's Mark. But most of them are right there at the beginning. They're on, like, you got the random book kind cases type things on the walls that have all kinds of different stuff. Here's what I'm... Here's what turns me off about bourbon culture. Mm -hmm. Is how everything is, like, golf umbrellas and polo shirts and, like, golf balls Mm. and... And, like, ascots. I don't even know. It's, like, all your traditional businessman stuff. And I'm, like, I don't care about any of that. I just, like, bourbon. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, I felt like I would never have bought anything that was in that store. Except for maybe a book. Maybe a book. They had a lot of books there, I feel like. Yeah, I mean, maybe a book, but, like. I didn't even see really any kind of branded, like, glassware or anything. I just feel like you could be more creative with your... Across the board, not just Michter's. Not just Michter's, yeah. Across the board, I feel like you could be more creative with your, you know, merchandise to Mm -hmm. appeal to a broader range of people. Anyway. (laughs) And then that's where the tour starts. And Mm -hmm. we were probably in there for like five to eight minutes doing the actual tour part. Yeah, well, you watch a video. You do. And that's where a little bit more of the history piece is. But I, I found it to be very distracting because people were walking around and all that stuff. And then you go through these set of doors and you see their original copper stills, which is Vendum copper stills, mm-hmm. which is really cool. Also really funny, they used to be in Pennsylvania, so it's Vendum is like right down the street. So they had those expensive-ass copper stills 
ship to Pennsylvania to then right. make their way back to Kentucky. But, like, that's really the only tourist space is that area right there. They had some of the fermenting barrels. So that was cool. I guess I wish, I wish they would have, like, harped a little bit more on some of the history there because it is some cool history. But So I just thought that the, the overall, like, expansiveness of what we toured was a little lackluster considering how big the building appears to be from the street. Okay, so I, I agree with that because I think part of it for me is that I didn't realize they had a Shively location mm-hmm. when I went into it. So I was expecting to see more of a working distillery mm-hmm. situation and, and, you know, kind of see a lot of yeah. stuff happening. And there really wasn't much happening at all. There were, there were like two stills, I think, that we saw. Mm-hmm. And then those three barrels with the mash. If you are someone who learns by spoken word and not more interactive things, this is a really good tour for you. Yeah. But I will say that as someone who has been on a couple of bourbon tours and has learned a little bit about bourbon through these tours, I felt stupid during this tour. And I'm like, do I even know what I know about bourbon? (laughs) Yeah. I don't, I don't, I'm missing things. It was, he talked very fast because there's a lot of information there, Mm -hmm. but because I couldn't see what he was talking about, it didn't translate in my head as quickly as some of the other tours. So I felt a little behind the whole time. And then you have their process, which they continuously pointed out was very different than a lot of other bourbon and or whiskey distilleries. So do we want to talk about that? One thing that was interesting, a little different on this tour, was how in-depth they went about the barrels that they use. Mm-hmm. And I guess that's one of the reasons why they they reuse their barrels is because they do put so much time and effort into them. So they let them, like, completely dry out. The different char methods that they use, they, like, smoke the wood or something like that, and then they char the wood and... All that different stuff. I feel like they went into a lot of detail about that. And that was really cool and interesting to hold the actual staves at the different levels of yeah. the work that they put into each of their barrels. I was going to say, I really enjoyed that part, and I enjoyed seeing the devil's cut yeah. up close. So the barrels are ready, and then they add the bourbon. And one of the other things that they really harped on was the low entry point. Mm-hmm. Do you want to talk about that? Sure. So their point was, if I understand it correctly was that normally bourbon distillers put the bourbon into the barrel at a, a higher proof than they do. Mm-hmm. Um, they put it in at 100. Most people, the gold standard is about 125 proof, which okay. means less water on the bourbon at the front end, but more water uh, with the bourbon on the back end. So like we mentioned in Bourbon 101, you have to come out of the barrel at a certain proof. So um, you add water to get to that proof. So what right. they're doing is adding the water in the front end versus the back end. Right. So they don't have to water it down as much once it it's ready out. to drink. Mm-hmm. So that res- results, they say, in like a more smooth taste, um, a richer mouth feel, if you will. <laughs> At this point in the tour, when they were talking about the low entry point, they had a video with uh, some of their, I mean, their maturation Mm -hmm. person and they also had michael veach who's a bourbon historian and we mentioned him in our bourbon 101 episode um and fred minnick who's also a bourbon expert they're both pretty well known in the bourbon 
uh, world, especially in Kentucky. So I thought it was pretty interesting. I don't know if that's the norm, but I thought it was pretty interesting that they got them Mm -hmm. to endorse. This 103 entry point. Yeah. Yeah. Process. So one of the things that they really harped on again was that even though the low uh, entry proof makes um, less bottles, um, like Maddie said, it does have a smoother flavor. Um, so that was just another, you know, cost be damned type attitude that they had, which they immediately went into. But we do reuse our barrels. Yeah. Because that's too expensive. Some costs be damned. Some costs. costs. That, yeah, that, they need to re, uh, change their tagline. Um, they also store their barrels a little differently. And I was a little put off by this only because all the other distilleries, like, and what we talked about in Bourbon 101 is that Kentucky gives you great weather. Yeah, so their their thing is they do like a heat cycle. And as we talked about in Bourbon 101, when it gets hot, the bourbon gets pushed mm-hmm. into the barrel. And then when it cools off, it gets sucked back into the barrel. And that process, you know, imparts more flavor from the barrel and, and helps it to age faster. And when we talked about the difference between scotch and bourbon, we were saying that Kentucky weather helps bourbon age much more quickly than Scottish weather does. So that's mm-hmm. like the whole purpose of, or the whole, one of the benefits of, of making bourbon in Kentucky. So yeah, it's like, just stick your barrels outside. <laughs> yeah, just do it the way everyone else is doing it. But, but what they do is they have um, a temper- temperature controlled warehouse that they also put humidity into. Mm-hmm. Um, so they make that process of the bourbon going in and out of the wood or of the barrel staves happen a lot more frequently than mm-hmm. if you just sat in a warehouse or even if you rotated in a warehouse. So they, they I guess, kind of speed that process up. And then another cost be damned thing is that that process does put more of the bourbon into the angels' cups versus our cups. Right. So you they're going evaporate. through a lot more bourbon to get us um, bourbon in the bottle than some of the other distilleries. Just to harp on this one more time, yesterday morning it was 57 degrees, and this morning it's 79 degrees. <laughs> Just Kentucky, man. Later today it'll probably be 97 degrees. <clears throat> <clears throat> do you um, want to talk just like very briefly about the chill filter? Yeah, you, you do it because I don't even remember what that is. So... The last process before the uh, bottle, the bourbon goes into the bottles is the uh, dumping of the barrels. And some distilleries do a filtration, some don't. Some do like a carbon filtration, some do a cold water filtration. Every distillery that I've been to has done this process a little differently. They have a uh, chill filter, so they do theirs uh, using water. And they um, basically get all the the bad stuff out of the bourbon while leaving the good stuff in. So all the, like, harsh tannins, any of the um, sediment that would be in the barrels, all that stuff, this kind of helps get rid of all of that. And they have very special formulas, not the right word, but settings, I guess, for Mm -hmm. each of their different bourbon and or whiskeys so that... They're not, a, you know, again, they're not just doing everything one way. They're making sure that each of their steps 
are different based on the thing that they're doing, which I really appreciated that. I don't, you know, what works for one thing doesn't always work for another thing. So this was kind of, this was kind of interesting to me to, to see that process. Um, So that's another, another thing that they do. So after they did the tour, told us about a little bit about the history of the brand, how they make their particular whiskey entry proof, et cetera. We went into another room where we did. Yes. A, we, we learned about how to pick out notes when we're tasting. So this was right before we did the tasting. These were smell notes. Yeah. So it was like spice, the caramel kind of. There was a sugary one. Yeah. Um, there was four different smells. And they started, um, I can't remember all of them. I remember one or two of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is one of those full disclosures. Just because I am someone who has migraines and smells are like a really big trigger for me. Um, I probably should have been a little bit more safer with this piece. Um, cinnamon in particular is really bad for my migraines and the last smell on the, on the wheel was, um, like a cinnamon spice type smell and it just enveloped the whole entire room for the rest of the tasting and I did end up getting a pretty bad migraine that evening because of it. So if you do have smell sensitivities, I would probably let your tour guide know ahead of time Mm -hmm. so that maybe they can either rearrange the tour a little bit or have you step out of the room right even for me if i would have stepped out of the room for that part i wouldn't have been able to enjoy the tasting because the smell would have already been in the room yeah uh i think for me as someone who does not have migraines i did think that part was helpful like interesting um one thing that i thought was odd and unnecessary was um there was a jelly bean Mm -hmm. (laughs) they were like put the jelly bean in your mouth see what you taste, but you hold your nose and then stop holding your nose. And now what do you taste? And it was like, well, first of all, everyone knows that your sense of smell is related to your sense of taste. Like you learn that the first time that you get a cold as a child. <laughs> it was very interesting. Cause I was like, I don't understand this. Like, I don't know why we're doing this. And I was right. like, Oh wait, but also jelly beans have gelatin different. in them. So John and I couldn't do that part. I did get to eat Maddie's jelly beans. Or we wouldn't do that part because we do not partake yeah. of hooves. Anyway, it was it was pretty interesting. They had that spicy smell, the like a vanilla y caramel kind of smell, mm-hmm. an earthy like sandalwood sort of smell, and then something else that I can't remember. Yeah. Maybe a woodiness, I don't know. It was nice, but not necessarily necessary. And th- but this was the first tour that I've ever experienced that on. Yeah, I I think the fact that you were then in agony later sort of ruined that part for me a little (laughs) bit. I don't reflect on it fondly. It was very unfortunate. Um, And then we did the tasting. Yeah, the tasting was, I thought, really nice. So one of the things that I guess, I don't know if they sell this bourbon or if it's just for tour purposes, but they do have a bourbon that they put into the barrel at 125 proof. Mm -hmm. So you do get to kind of taste the differences between a 103 proof entry and a 125 proof entry, which I love being able to taste test right then and there. Yeah, that was a really smart. I think that is just for tour purposes. They're like, look, we made this product in a way that we wouldn't sell 
just so that you can see why we do it this way. And I thought that was really smart. Yeah, I really liked that. It was their single-barrel Kentucky straight rye that is entered into the barrel at 103 proof. And then um, we tasted it next to their single-barrel Kentucky straight rye entered in the barrel at 125 proof. Oh, okay. And then the third one that we tasted was the small batch Kentucky straight bourbon. So this is the bourbon that this I liked that one. Really, their only bourbon. Okay. And I also really enjoyed that. One of the things I wish we could do on bourbon tours, and I guess you just do this more at like bourbon, different bourbon events where bourbon, just a couple of different bourbon distilleries are there. But I'm always like, yeah, this is nice, but I can't think about how it compares to like my favorite bourbon right, right now. Yeah. So just bring a little flask. One yeah, of those little bracelet nips. flasks with you. So then the fourth one, we either tried the sour mash. Or the just the American whiskey. Whatever it was, I feel like I liked it, but it was a little bit more... Burny? Yeah. But I did feel like I liked it. And then the last one we tried was the Barrel Strength Kentucky Straight Rye, which I am not a big fan of rye, so it was a little too spicy for me. So as someone who's never been on an actual bourbon tour before, this one, and I have, I'm proclaimed bourbon amateur, I finally got to taste a rye and a like not rye next to one another. Yeah. And I have determined that I also do not like rye very oh much. <laughs> you probably like the sweeter bourbons like I do. Yeah, I smelled the rye the the very first one that we tasted, I smelled it and it smelled like, you know, bourbon balls or whatever. I was like, this is great. I love this. And I tasted it. And I was like, yeah, okay. <laughs> and then I tasted the that actual bourbon and I was like, oh yeah. This is much better. <laughs> Well, so after the tasting ended, I was like, this is nice. Yeah. Was it worth the $20? Maybe not, but I thought it was nice. And then he's like, join us upstairs for the rest of your tour. I'm like, excuse me? (laughs) Scooby, excuse me? So we went on to their second or third floor. I'm not sure where, I would assume maybe. I think it was, I don't remember. Their second or third floor. Um, to their bar area, which is open to the public, mm-hmm. so you don't have to, unlike, um, there's a couple of different distilleries that you have to, the only way you can get to the bar is if you do the tour. Mm-hmm. Um, so this one you can just go in and do the bar. But they had a little table set up for us and all kinds of glasses set up with ice, and then they had some sort of, like, mash of, mixture of something. Like They had a shrub. Yeah. Like a grapefruit shrub. It was it was delicious. I don't yeah. want to spoil it, but it was delicious. And then they had a, um, like just a, a shot of the bourbon. A shot of the bourbon and, um, so, like a seltzer salt water. Yeah. Tonic. I think it was tonic. Mm-hmm. And so, like, you did the whole process there where you poured that into it and then you poured the, um, tonic water on top and then stirred it and sipped. And I thought it was a very good cocktail. Yeah, it was really refreshing. And it was nice because it was like a warm day. And Yeah. Yeah. It was, and then the bar is very pretty. It really was. And it had a really nice nice views. Mm-hmm. Yeah, beautiful um, windows. Mm-hmm. and Yeah. So I really enjoyed that part. Like I said, that was an experience that I haven't done before on a tour. Um, so for me, that was kind of like, okay, I can see why they charge $20 mm-hmm. for this. This is a nice little. I yeah. mean, that would have been a probably at least a $12 drink. Yeah, probably. <laughs> there, so. I I agree with that. And that's what I was thinking at the time, too. Like, oh, this is, I mean, at least like an $8 drink. At least, yeah. So what did you think about the tour? 
So I have been on a couple of different bourbon tours, and I thought this one was, considering the price of $20 and what you get in the actual tour experience, so not the cocktail experience, not the tasting experience, but just the tour experience, I do think it's overpriced. Okay. So my thoughts not having been on a tour before, the building is beautiful. I I really think the building is gorgeous. And they repurposed a lot of the wood, the original wood. Yeah, that was really nice. um, To make the floor and the cabinets and the gift shop and stuff. And that was really pretty to see. I mean, just the whole building itself is really gorgeous. I enjoyed seeing the original, well, sort of original stills and, Mm -hmm. and barrels. I thought the smell test was helpful, except the fact that you got a migraine ruined it a little bit. (laughs) And I enjoyed the tasting, and I enjoyed the cocktail. And then I also thought, I was really glad that the the tour guide was good. I thought he used to be a radio DJ. I did not catch his name, but he was like a very confident speaker. He really knew a lot about the brand. You can tell he had a lot of love about the brand and about the bourbon that he was drinking. Yeah, and he was totally, like, open to questions and knew the Mm -hmm. answers to everything. And he was mic'd, which I really appreciate because I cannot hear very well when there's a lot of ambient sound. So I was really glad that he had a mic. I wish it was turned up a little bit more. Yeah, it could have been turned up a little bit more, but I was glad that it was there at all. Mm -hmm. Um, And the bartender upstairs was really nice, too. Very nice, yeah. So I would would recommend it. Do you think that – so given that – Let's say you didn't do a podcast called Bourbon 101, Mm -hmm. and let's say for your job you don't write about bourbon a lot. Do you think that this tour would have been too overwhelming for people who don't know anything about bourbon? Like, this is the first tour you have, you know nothing about bourbon. Yeah, I think if you have no idea about bourbon at all, you might be a little bit lost. Even a couple of the people in the tour with us didn't clearly didn't know what the standards were, you know? Mm-hmm. And that he did not go over that at all. Right. Um, he only mentioned it the one time when he was talking about the barrels not being able to be reused. Mm-hmm. But then I also don't know if I would want to get the Bourbon 101 experience every time I went on a tour. Yeah, I would agree. So maybe after we do all of these tours, we should put an order together. Oh, that's smart. Yeah. Because I think it was very helpful. Oh, my God. You can hear louder than life right now. That's the music we're you hearing. You know, it's literally louder than life. They were doing sound Holy crap. like 8.30 in the morning. All right. Anyways, we should do a, a list of the the order that you should take these in. Because I think a lot, some – you are absolutely right. I love being able to find new information out on tours. And I found out – I mean, I didn't know that 125, you could, you know, go away from that. That was right. really interesting. Yeah. Um, and then some of the other stuff. I mean, I learned a lot of new things on this tour, too. But I feel like if I had just gone in there without any bourbon knowledge, I would have been really, really lost. Yeah, I um, What so. if you were a nine-year-old person? If I was a nine-year-old person, I would be very confused on why I was there. I would not recommend you take kids to this. I've seen kids on bourbon tours, and I don't get it. I understand, like, a lot of out-of-towners. Yeah, come to to Kentucky just to do bourbon distilleries, and there's not really a babysitting option for that. But it just seems a little. It doesn't seem cool to drag your kids to a bourbon distillery. No, and for the person, the the childless millennial, when I go to a bourbon tour and the kid is screaming their head off while I'm watching, you know, trying to learn about bourbon and mm-hmm. like experience this tour, 
it's very off-putting. I don't know. That was a totally different rant that we didn't need to really go on, but... All right, well... So I give the tour... I, I actually scaled it. Okay, cool. I gave the tour a 3 out of 5. Great. And I gave the bourbon a 3 out of 5. Okay. Just that one particular bourbon or the tasting experience? So all uh, out of all the ones that we tried there, the two, the bourbon and then the same formula, but in the, you know, ba- used barrel is the ones that I like. So that was the one that I was rating. Okay. I'm going to give the tour a four out of five. So I, I did enjoy it. I thought it was really professional and nice. And oh gosh, I'm going to give the bourbon a three out of five too, just because I don't know how to compare it to yet. Okay. Awesome. Three out of five fireballs. <laughs> Should Do you want to explain that? That's how we're going to rate stuff. <clears throat> yes. In, in here and here forthcoming, any and all ratings will be done in terms of fireball. The producer. Heads, producer fireball. Five fireballs out of five fireballs is very good. Yeah. Four out of five is also pretty good. Pretty good. I would even say three out of five. I mean, I didn't hate it. No, three out of five is pretty good. Yeah. I mean. I really enjoyed it myself. I would recommend that tour to people. I just would, if it's their first tour, I would maybe recommend another one first and then that one. Or recommend our Bourbon 101 podcast. Yes, that too. And then That would be very helpful. All right, let's wrap it up. All righty. Well, that about does it for today on There Are Lots of Things. Thank you for listening. And as always, it was so much fun to hang out with you and discuss Mictors. We hope you had fun with us this week. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram, where you'll find today's show notes, along with a fun trivia question that will give you a hint about next week's episode topic. You can leave show topic suggestions there or email us at talent.podcast at gmail.com. That's T-A-L-O-T dot podcast at gmail.com. To make sure you never miss an episode, subscribe to our podcast over at iTunes or wherever you stream your podcast. You can also leave us a review there. That would be very, very nice. Um, until next week. I have a paper cup. Ah! Clinking things in our cups. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.